my name is Adam. I'm the discipleship pastor here. And uh, today we get to talk about fear. And fear is a funny thing because it can uh, both heighten your senses and make you completely incompetent at the same time. It can make you super aware and, and at the same time unable to perform even basic um, facts. Like you completely lose sight of logic or common sense or anything when your phobia is staring you uh, in the face. And um, the way that I can prove that fear is not logical is just think about um, every, when you think about anyone else's phobia, you think that it's silly and irrational until you get to your own. Like, why are you afraid of spiders? They're just tiny. You could just step on it. It's nothing to be afraid of. That's silly. Why would you be afraid of those? Clowns, though, clowns are evil made manifest. Like, don't even bring those around me. They're terrible. I'm sorry to any clowns in attendance today. Uh, <laughs> But I, I still remember to this day the most visceral fear that I ever felt uh, in my life. I was at a bonfire. I was a senior. I was graduating. Um, and it was after graduation. We were hanging out. We were eating hot dogs and s'mores or whatever. Just had, at a bonfire at a friend's house who had some property. And we were out in the woods just hanging out and talking because we didn't have to go to high school anymore. And so we were just spending some time. It was getting late in the evening. We had had friends over, friends had left. Um, and it was like two thirty, two forty-five. We are out about a mile out on my friend's property by a campfire. When in the middle of the night, we hear a chainsaw. And we're like, this is really unusual. <laughs> like, why is somebody picking right now to chop down a tree or, you know, get some firewood ready? But when we thought, when we listened again, we heard it again, and we were like, wait, that's coming from, like, my friend Rick's property. Like, they can't be that far away. We need to go check that out, <laughs> which is, like, uh, either male bravado or stupidity. They're synonyms. So uh, we went toward the danger, okay? Like, we're hearing this chainsaw in the middle of the night. We go toward I still remember it. it was very clear. It was a full moon night, and I headed um, with my buddies <laughs> towards the chainsaw noise in the middle of the night. And he had this little pond, and it was, you know, it had been warm, and it was getting cool. And so there was steam rising from the pond. It was really creepy, eerie sort of a situation. And across the pond, we saw a man with a chainsaw and a jumpsuit and a mask. And he was just holding the chainsaw. And at this point, we were like, nope. <laughs> you know? And we just walked, started heading back toward the house. And we weren't running yet. We were just kind of like, yeah, you're not scared? I'm not scared. Let's just go home and see what, you know, whatever. And so we're heading back toward the place. And then we hear the chainsaw getting closer to us with more speed. And so at this point, I'm like pushing people out of the way. Like, Move, you crazy people. And we're heading back. And then we get to the backyard property line. And that, for some reason, gives us courage. Again, like we're close to home base. We don't go inside. We just stand at the property line. And at this point, we're, we're, you know, like strengthened by the property line, which doesn't have a fence, mind you. And we're standing there and we're like, hey, you, you go, you know, like, which was the toughest thing you could think to say in a moment. Like, you know, just terrified. And then the guy stops and revs the chainsaw a couple times, picks it up over his head. I'm not kidding. Picks it up over his head and starts running towards me. And I don't know if I froze for a second, but I was the last one in line to get back in the house. And don't worry, guys, I don't die in this story. And, uh, and we get back in and I'm the one trying to shut the door when the chainsaw comes into the house. And I'm like, 
what? You know? And so I back into the dining room. And this is, we are high school students at this point, mind you. So we're at Rick's parents' house. So his parents are asleep in this little ranch house. And this guy comes into the house with a chainsaw. And at this point, I'm like, well, there's literally nowhere else to run at this moment. So I look at the person who has the thing over his head and I'm like, I'm going to punch him. Like, that's all I have. Fists of fury versus chainsaw. I hope I win. When all of a sudden I hear Rick yell, Patrick, stop! It was the highest pitched noise I've ever heard in my life. And then our friend Patrick, who had left two hours earlier, lowers the chainsaw. And she's like, <laughs> that was hilarious. And I still punched him. So <laughs> uh, I was terrified. And now the fear in that moment blinded me from a couple of things. Like one, this is way too perfect. You know, like this is a bad, badly written horror movie that's being played out. Like it's what, this doesn't happen in real life. The other thing is there's no chain on the chainsaw. Like if I would just see which the person put the chainsaw into the door, I didn't see that there was no chain on the chainsaw. So, you know, whatever. And the third thing that I still kick myself about is that the jumpsuit that he was wearing had a name tag, which had the last name of my friend Rick on it, which should have been just a dead giveaway, you know. Uh, But fear blinds you to what's happening in a situation And fear can be something silly like that, like a prank where you really thought, oh my goodness, this is uh, crazy. I don't know if anybody's played a prank on you like that. But fear also blinds you when it's very real. And today we're talking about how Jesus responds to our fear. And we're going to look at a story from Matthew chapter 14 in which he tells Peter, do not be afraid. Because what fear does to us is it shifts our perspective toward the thing that we don't feel like we have control over. And what Jesus wants to do as he is establishing a new kingdom, and as he is the king in this new kingdom, what Jesus wants to do is to move our perspective onto him. Because there's nothing that could be in between us and him that is more powerful than him. And so in our moments of deepest fear, we need to just shift our perspective back toward Jesus and what he's doing. So today we're going to talk about one big truth in Jesus' kingdom. And it's just this. Jesus calls us to follow him on the uncertain ground to do what seems impossible. Don't let fear stop you. We're going to spend the rest of the time today in Matthew 14, and then a little bit of time in Hebrews. So if you want to turn to Matthew 14, um, we're going to pick up starting in verse 27. But right before our story, Jesus feeds 5,000 men. He's teaching what has to be a great message because there are a crowd of 5,000 men and some women and children that are just sitting there listening through mealtimes. And he multiplies this little offering of food and feeds 5,000 men and women, which is important because the disciples see this happen. They see Jesus do something incredible in a moment, and he feeds all these people as he's teaching. The point of that is you don't need to rely on bread when you have the word of God, but still, they feed, he feeds all these people. And then after that, after the teaching's over, he goes off to pray on top of a mountain to spend time with his father, and he goes to pray, and he sends his disciples out in a boat. 
And so the disciples get in the boat and they, you know, row themselves out onto uh, this, the sea. And it says that the scripture says that they were many stadia away from shore. A stadion in Greek was about 607 feet. So they're at least 2000 feet away from shore, maybe more than that. Night falls and they're in the middle of the sea and then the winds pick up. And waves start to crash all around them, and they don't know what to do because they're in this shallow fishing boat, and the waves had to be crashing over the side, and they think this is it. They start experiencing this real fear as these waves are crashing around them, and then they look over toward the, the shore, and they see something coming toward them, and they yell out, it's a ghost, which is like insult to injury in this moment because not only are the waves going to get you and capsize your boat, but now you're getting haunted by a ghost, they think. Fear blinds you to logic, I told you. And so they say it's a ghost, and then we pick up in verse 27. But immediately, as they were crying out in fear, Scripture says, immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And so the first thing that we can see from this story is that is to is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Any parent with kids knows that sometimes you have to talk your child out of something that's not really all that scary. For Cohen, when he was younger, it was the garage door opener. He did not like it. It was too loud. And so I told him to say to the garage door, I don't like you, garage door opener. You're pretty loud, but I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of you, garage door, but you're pretty loud. And that kind of talked him out of it. There was nothing to be afraid of. This is not what's happening here. Jesus is not talking down to us like we're children looking at something that we shouldn't be afraid of. There is real danger happening. There is an actual storm and there are waves crashing all around the disciples and they're out in this little boat and they don't know what to do and they don't understand what's happening because they're so afraid in a moment and Jesus steps into the storm and says to them, take heart, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid when there's something to be actually scared of in your life because I will step into that storm. It's important to note that Jesus does not stay on the shore and say, just figure it out. You get over here. You can probably row the boat back over here. Once you get to me, there'll be an object lesson on the other side of this fear that I'm going to teach you, but you better get to me on the shore. No, Jesus walks into the storm. And I don't know what storms are happening in your life, but there are real storms that happen in our life on a day-to-day basis, and they can swell up out of nowhere, and they can knock you off course and cause real fear that blinds you from what's happening. And Jesus steps into that storm and says, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Your job future becomes uncertain and a wave crashes of stress and panic and fear. Your child starts making bad decisions and a wave crashes of uncertainty and fear. Your parents' health starts failing. Your health starts failing. And it's just wave after wave crashing. And you're sitting in the middle of the shallow boat of life. And you're thinking, where will I turn from here? And Jesus shows up in the middle of that storm. And he says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. He's not talking down to us in a moment. He's saying, I know, I know for sure that things are big and scary and terrifying. But look here, look at me, because these waves don't fear me. These waves don't cause fear in me. I will calm these waves. 
but I'll show up right in the middle of your storm. So the first thing is do not be afraid. If Jesus is out in front of you, and as I was reminded last week as I was talking with somebody, if is an awfully big word, but if Jesus is out in front of you, you can take heart. You don't need to be afraid because it doesn't matter what stands between you and your present and the future that Jesus has for you if you're heading towards him. And so we continue in the story in verse 28. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come on the water. And he, Jesus, in verse 29, said, come. Peter walked on water. Jesus made Peter to be able to walk on water. If you had any doubt that Jesus could move you from point A to point B, just remember that Peter walked on water. I tried to walk on water once. It didn't work. I was studying, we were studying physics, and I knew, theoretically, like, we were studying surface tension, and so we knew, me and my science nerd friends were like, theoretically, if we could get enough speed and have enough displacement of our weight, we could skim across the top of the water. And my friend had a small pool that was an in-ground pool, and we were like, we can do this. Like, if we get enough speed and put something down, we can, like, you know, get across the water. It'll be like a rock skipping on water. That's what we thought. And so somehow they convinced me to test that out. I'd like to think it's because I'm the fastest or the strongest or the coolest. It's probably because I was the most gullible and willing to try something ridiculous. So I, with all of my might, ran toward the pool. And I was like, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And we are going to prove scientifically something that happens in scripture. <laughs> like it's going to be biblical. We will preach. It's going to be great. So I ran toward the water and I was running, 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 running. And I, I'm telling you, I thought for sure this was going to work because the theory was like convincing me that the practice would happen. And so I ran as fast as I could. And I'll tell you, I was so excited. But then on the very first step, I sunk completely. Like I just went straight down. There, surface tension is a myth, I think. And so I just went into the water. And to make things worse, I was so excited and running so fast that I breathed in right as I started going under. And so I got water in my nose. And so I just had to like try to swim back up and say, it doesn't work. <laughs> like it does not work. People sink in water. That's what happens. I can attest. People don't walk on water. Peter, though. Peter walked on water because Jesus said, come here. It's because Jesus stands in front of us and he, said, and he calls us toward himself. And he does not care what stands between. The reason we don't need to be afraid and the reason that we can move forward is not because fear is pointless. And it's not because we're so big and we're so tough. It's because Jesus stands in front of us and he says, Come. Come on. Yeah, I know there's water right there, but you come on. And Peter stepped out of the boat and he walked on the water. I don't, I don't know how that makes you feel, but for me, it's a reminder that Jesus is bigger and tougher and more able than anything that stands in front and wants to block us from the future that Jesus has for us. Even death itself couldn't keep Jesus from accomplishing his mission. And so if he is calling you towards himself, he will see fit to see that mission out. Remember the truth today, that Jesus calls us to follow him 
onto uncertain ground to do what seems impossible. Don't let fear stop you. If Jesus is calling you, you can move forward even if water is what is in your way. When we started this year, 70 baptisms felt like a lot, a whole lot. Because the way that we set that goal is we looked at the most baptisms we had ever had in our history in one year, and we said, let's do more than that. Let's believe, God, that we can do more than that. And so in January and February, 70 felt like a lot, but then people started responding because Jesus is good to his promises. And to this point in the year, we're not even halfway through the year, to this point in the year, so far 36 people have either been baptized or are about to be baptized in the next couple weeks because God is good to his promises. And if he's calling us forward, he will see through what he said he was going to do. We set another goal with our kids going to camp that Jen mentioned. Last year, we sent 33 students to camp in the summer. We said, what if we, just, what if we doubled that? That seems reasonable, plausible, right? What if we doubled that? We more than doubled that. And so far, 73 kids are going to camp to spend a week experiencing all that Jesus has for them, away from everything else that the world wants to show them. 73 people have said yes to a week-long experience with Jesus or a couple-day experience with Jesus. That is incredible, but it's not because we're incredible. It's because Jesus is incredible, and he's calling us forward towards himself. And so uncertainty feels like water underneath us. But Peter walked on water because Jesus said, come here. So we don't need to worry about, we don't need to fear the things that stand between us and Jesus. Think about this. Jesus came to earth. He lived a perfect life, established a kingdom of redemption and hope. He died on a cross paying the penalty for sin of the entire world. And he took on the weight of all evil and brokenness in the world. He then defeated all sin, all evil, all brokenness, and rose again to birth a redemption movement in the midst of human struggle that we can choose to participate in. What could we possibly have to fear when we have the one who defeated death on our side? What could we possibly have to fear when we have the one who made a man walk on water on our side? And so can we say, dear fear... You can't hold me back. You can't keep me from stepping out in faith because Jesus is calling me forward. Yes, there's stress in my life, but Jesus made Peter walk on water. Yes, I know I'm struggling with sin and selfishness right now, but Jesus made Peter to walk on water. Yes, I know I'm not the husband or the dad or the wife or the mother that I want to be yet, but Jesus made Peter walk on water. So fear respectfully, I won't let you talk me out of the future that Jesus has for me. So don't lose faith. Don't lose faith. This journey with Jesus is long. And each day we have to resolve to keep moving forward and head towards Jesus. Peter is walking on water. He is walking on water because Jesus said, come here. And while he's walking on water, he sees the size of the wave and he gets scared. Peter lets his fear talk him out of the miracle that he is literally experiencing right then. He is stepping on water and not sinking, and he sees the wind and gets scared. In Jesus' kingdom, we are to walk on uncertain ground and to do what seems impossible. Do not be afraid. Matthew 4.31 says this, as Peter sees the wind and the wave and he starts sinking, Jesus reaches down and he grabs him and he saves him because Peter cries out, Lord, save me. And in Matthew 
1431, it says this, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Every time that I had read that until recently, I took all of the care and all of the empathy and all of the compassion that Jesus must have had for Peter out of the sentence. And I read it like Jesus was scolding Peter. Why did you doubt? Come on. What are you doing? Maybe I should have just let you sink because this was worthless. Jesus was exasperated for sure, but he was still caring and kind. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt what I was going to do in your life when you were literally standing there walking on the water? Why? I'm right here. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt that I would sustain you through the waves of your life? Why did I doubt that I would give you certain ground if you kept heading towards me? Why did you doubt? And so that question still rings for us today. Why do we doubt? Why do we doubt that God would do what he said he would do? What voice of fear has convinced you that you are anything less than a walking miracle that God brought back from death to life in his redemptive power? Why did you doubt? I I got the opportunity to teach a class last Sunday during this hour. It's an open Bible class, and it's some of our senior adults. And I asked them, "What, what kept you from looking away in seasons where storms were crashing in your life. And these men and women who have been through a lot and who still say Jesus is best in my life and who still show up week in and week out to study scripture and see what it has for their life told me a couple things. I said, what what would you tell me as a young man that would keep me rooted as waves come and keep me from doubting? And the first thing they said was to know scripture. I mean, they go to a class called Open Bible for a reason because they literally just want to open the Bible and see what Scripture has for their lives. And so the first thing was no Scripture. But the second thing was their friends. It was the church. It was community. And tears were shed. Last week, as they recounted memory after memory of the storms of their life and their friends who showed up in Jesus' name, the storms of their life and their friends who showed up in Jesus' name, they didn't, they didn't talk about these words of wisdom that were shared. They didn't talk about, oh, this person had just the right word to say and they, they knew exactly because that's the thing that we talk ourselves out of, right? Like, I don't know what I'm going to say in that situation. They said my friends were there. They were just willing to pray with me. They were just willing to be Jesus in the midst of my storm and they were, were weeping Community matters. Community matters because storms are coming in life. And if you're not the one in the storm, you might be the one adding perspective in the storm and helping shift your friend's fear from the thing that seems insurmountable to Jesus who is undefeated. In a moment, Peter looked away. And he let fear convince him that these waves and wind would best Jesus and what Jesus was doing in a moment. But the truth is, if we fix our eyes on Jesus, nothing will best Jesus. It brings new meaning to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, which is where we'll finish today. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, 
since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance this race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Fix your eyes on Jesus and move forward. If you want the gospel in four words, here it is. Sin entangles, Jesus frees. Sin wraps our lives up in knots and we get weighed down in the consequences and Jesus brings freedom from that entanglement. And depending on how long the sin, depending on how long you've been making decisions outside of what Jesus has for you, the more knotted your life can get. But Jesus wants to untie those knots and bring freedom into your life. If we would just fix our eyes on him, he will work out that redemption. He will work out that freedom over time. Salvation can happen in an instant. And I mean in an instant, you can be saved from the consequences of your sin eternally. But redemption, the restoration of freedom, that happens over a lifetime of following Jesus if we would just fix our eyes on him. A few weeks ago, Cohen found in a drawer these two little Happy Meal toys that were these little balls that were on rubber bands that you put on your finger and you can throw it and it comes back to you. And he thought that was the coolest thing ever. The problem was both of them had been tied up and they'd been in the drawer for so long they just got beaten up by the, the life that was happening around them in the drawer and they got twisted and turned. And I was looking at him and he said, Dad, can you fix this? And I said, well, you know, maybe. I don't, I don't know. And so I sat down and for literally an hour I started untying the knots that had been tied over the years of these things just being stuck away and in a drawer and a bin in the basement. And I untied them and untied them. And I finally got them both free. I was like, yes, I am the dad of the year. Go me. This is going to be the best thing ever. And then I made the mistake of a lifetime and I gave both to Cohen back at once. And he went, (laughs) and he tied them right back up. (laughs) The writer of Hebrews is pleading with us. Don't do that with your lives. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is unknotting the consequences of your bad decisions if you keep moving forward in him. He will do what he said he was going to do, which is bring full life and freedom for you. Salvation happens. It could happen right now. If you just decide, I'm going to follow Jesus, you are saved. Redemption happens over a lifetime. And the decisions that you've made outside of what Jesus has for you have to be unknotted. And you have to keep pursuing and moving forward. But the baptism, baptismal is ready. There is someone here today that's going to be baptized. And that could also be you. Because Jesus doesn't say, you untie some knots before you come to me. He says, come to me. Even in the midst of your storm and when there are waves crashing, don't be afraid. Just head forward towards me. I have life. I'm good to keep my promises. Do not be afraid because I'm calling you forward. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the work that he did on the cross to free us and to start to put our lives back together. God, give us unwavering focus on him. 
Help us to fix our eyes on his goodness and his glory. Help us to see him day in and day out, even as waves crash all around us. We love you. We thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. When Peter was saved from drowning in the water, he's picked up and put in the boat. And the immediate response wasn't for the disciples to go up and, and ask Peter, how was that? That was so cool. You were walking on the water. I mean, I know that you fell in, but like you walked on the water. I saw it. I saw you do that. That was so cool, Peter. No, it says immediately. Immediately those in the boat worshiped him, Jesus, saying, truly you are the son of God. When Jesus saves us, it is for our good and his glory. And so when someone is saved by Jesus, we get to worship. We get to shout because he is good to his promises. And we no longer, because of Jesus, we no longer have to be slaves to fear. The same God who parted the Red Sea and let the Israelites walk through on dry ground is on our side. And he calls us his sons and his daughters. And he saves us so that we can worship him and we can have full life. The same God who made Peter to walk on water lives with us and in us and through his Holy Spirit gives us power to walk in freedom and start untangling the consequences of our lives. The same God is right here today who is king over all eternity. And we get to see him save someone right now. And so with that, we'll go out to the lobby. Well, I have Mr. Adam Holmes here. Um, and I get the privilege of baptizing him today, and I'm just, I'm so honored. Um, I think about, in Ephesians, Paul writes, and I think it's the New Living Translation, something along the lines of um, how much of a privilege it is to be able to share, to be able to carry this good news, to be able to proclaim this, what Jesus has done for us, um, and, uh, and, and how we're, we are able to express our, our faith in him. And so um, I was just so honored that Adam asked me to baptize him. This is incredible. Um, man, I'm probably more nervous than you are. I don't know. This is just it. This is awesome. But I, I'm just, I'm so happy. I've, I've known him for a, a little bit less than a year, but I think we've just grown um, to, to get to know each other so well. And, and uh, um, I think just we have a lot to learn from each other. And so this is, I, it's just been such an awesome relationship to get to know you. But I'm so happy to, to do this. So are you ready? I'm ready. Awesome. So uh, if you would repeat after me. I shall. I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the Living God. The Son of the Living God. And I accept Him. And I accept Him as my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. Adam, because of your confession and your desire to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you are being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the promise of eternal life. Let's do this.